Welcome to the FBC Athens podcast, Open to Explore Devotions. We are now in the fourth week of our Lenten journey, today being the 26th day of our pilgrimage to the cross. The devotion is given by Jamie Hogan, based on Jesus' words in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And today, it is read from the Common English Bible. Listen to the tune, Simple Gifts, played by Addison Acock, and prepare your mind, heart, and spirit to listen for God. Now when the human one comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, You who will receive good things from my Father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment." but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. In a previous podcast, I shared the power and relevance of this text in my own life as a child 
an adolescent really, listening to her father invoke these very words to a jury of a man's peers to save that man from almost certain state-sanctioned murder. I will carry that moment and those words and the conviction with which my father spoke those words for the rest of my days. His client was the least of these in so many respects. Poor, imprisoned, hopeless, loveless. At the emergence of the civil rights movement, James Baldwin wrote that if the concept of God has any validity or any use, it can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. In his letter from a region in my mind published in the New Yorker, he shares his evolutionary religious experiences. At one point, around the age of 14, he questions the God that he has been introduced to in church and asks, rightly so, if his love was so great and if he loved all the children, why were we, the blacks, cast down so far? Why? See, part of my own privileged white identity is that I have never once had to wrestle with this particular question of God's purpose and intentions. What I do recognize in Baldwin's uncertainty is that God and his son's teachings emanate from those of us in the Christian faith in ways that either spread love and light and recognition of a beloved community of all kinds of folks, or we cast out and judge and play into the power structures that benefit us most. To that end, I think it's worth unpacking exactly what we mean when we talk about the least of these. That particular designation that, for many of us, upon hearing the languaging, invokes a compassion most likely born of pity. We think of individuals who suffer, who are outcasted to the margins, who may be devoid of hope or direction or purpose. Maybe if we're honest, the least of these makes us feel a little better, more confident about our own lot of abundance. The older I get, the more I experience people in various communities, particularly in my work in public education, the more I am affirmed by my conviction that the least of these are largely a man-made entity. Perhaps untrue in Jesus' time, but certainly in these present days where wealth medical advancements, innovation, and resources are ubiquitous, there really should be no least of these. We continue to perpetuate cycles of societal ills born of some combination of greed and gross fundamentalist evangelical ideology. This played out this week in Georgia's halls of legislation with many of our policymakers invoking Christianity via false prophecy to further endanger the lives of our transgender neighbors. Similar reasoning is being used to remove books and stories from our classrooms because there appears to be something threatening in acknowledging that our world is a mesmerizing tapestry of diverse experiences and realities. Being woke is now used as a pejorative, a slur, without taking a beat to consider the wokeness of our own Jesus Christ. John Shelby Spong writes about this in his profoundly enlightening book, Biblical Literalism, A Gentile Heresy, noting the theme here was that the basis upon which life is judged has nothing to do with religious involvement, pious deeds, or even creedal belief, despite the extent 
to which these three things have been used to condemn those judged unworthy by the church over the centuries. In this parable, the basis of the ultimate judgment was how able one was to see the presence of God in the faces of the poor, the hungry, the strangers, the sick, and the imprisoned. If one does not see God in the lives of the least of God's people, then one is a liar to claim that he or she has seen the face of God. Spawn goes on to characterize this particular text as a scathing parable, for neither the sheep or the goats understood that the holy is always found in the mundane. The life of God is always encountered in the life of the human. The transgender human, the homeless human, the immigrant human, the human living in Section 8 housing, the human of addiction, the little human, the old human, the faithless human, the neurodivergent human, all of us our whole messy, sinning, forgiving, and loving lot. Seems like there are questions of the longevity of the Christian faith on an almost daily basis in our media and in conversations on the street. Folks dig our Christ, but they don't see us as Christians taking up his cause because we're like the goats and sheep who keep forgetting that God is in the mundane. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46 is, for me and my Christian faith, a call to consciousness, to recognize and deconstruct the systems where the least of these dwell, to see each of our brothers and sisters with the full acceptance of our Christ, and to act on one another's behalf, because faith without works is dead. Please pray with me. Almighty God, We come to you as we are, full of our own judgment and greed and self-worth. We come to you, too, full of questions and uncertainty that we may be missing the point altogether. Show us through the life and works of your Son that love is enough, that we can show up for one another and be a beacon of light for all of our neighbors. Help us see the sacred in the mundane, that we might come to a day when the least of these are relics of a bygone era. In your name, amen.